0: Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the Massive Attack podcast. I'm Joe and with me as always
1: is Mitch. Hi!
0: And we are continuing with our A to Z. Yep. And this time around it is the letter N, but we're going to throw a little curveball in there. Ooh. So some people might complain and say that numbers don't actually mean letters, but we are doing 1984. Ah, not the year. Oh. How old were you have been in 84? 11. I was
1: 13.
0: mm mm-hmm. no. But we are doing 1984, the movie and the book. Oh.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know it's a book. I know it was a book first.
0: All right. Well, let's start with the book.
1: I know who wrote
0: the book. Really? Yeah. Well, that's probably a good start, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, 1984 was a novel by George Orwell.
1: I knew that. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I've just found out by Googling that George Orwell wasn't his real name.
1: What? liar
0: yes Yes. his name was Eric Arthur Blair
1: next thing you're going to tell me 1984 was fiction
0: well it was oh it was written in 1948 and he just transposed the last two letters around to make it the future. Yeah, And it's quite weird looking back at it now when it's not the future anymore. But anyway, it was written in 1948, published in 1949 and in most countries is actually public domain now because it's so old, except in America where I think copyright lasts a bit longer. But anyway, it is the story of a dystopian future where the world has kind of crumbled to persistent war mm-hmm. and people are under the control of a mythical, leader called Big Brother to paraphrase it down very much I I was in year 7 in 1984 when this book is set and I can remember reading Animal Farm which is his novel before
1: this that's not Watership Down is it no no.
0: I read that when I was much younger and it really messed me up
1: anyway but I just know the goodies episode
0: I I think I would have been in year 9 which would have been about 1986 when we read this for school yep and it's something that stuck with me for a long time. Okay. And yeah, I thought, let's throw something out different and maybe cover a little bit of a book, which we've never done. A bit
1: cultural, huh?
0: Yeah. However, I think we probably will concentrate more on the movie than the book because the movie's pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, I watched it last night in preparation for this and it's the first time I've seen it since it was on tally, the first time I would have seen it. So I reckon probably 86, 87 I may have seen the movie. Yeah, I've I've
0: got a feeling that after we read this in class, we actually watched the video in school. But watching it again now... I don't think you did. Well, I think maybe there was an edited version or a TV (laughs) version or something because there's bits in this movie that are pretty full on. Oh, really? Yeah. Anyway, let,
1: let's jump like into the subject matter.
0: I mean, really. Well, I, I think, as I said, I would have been year eight or year nine. It probably would have been year nine, and I think we did politics or something as the theme for our English literature, and we read Machiavelli's The Prince, mm-hmm. not to be confused with the TISM album, which is Machiavelli in the Four Seasons. Yeah. But we read that, and we read some Mahatma Gandhi book, and we read a Nelson Mandela book, and then we read 1984. Cool. So, yeah. And it's just kind of resonated with me since.
1: Okay. I read the wiki and I watched the movie last night. And as a plot, as the ideas go, they're pretty awesome. Like Animal Farm, I haven't read either. And I don't even think I've seen the film. But I know. the <laughs> Which but I, film? But I've seen the other one. But. It's very much... The ideas are really great. Conceptually, they're fantastic. And I don't know how good a writer he is. I assume very good, because they're taught in schools. So it must be good. But the idea of the plot of 1984, you've got a guy who works in a processing job eliminating history. And his job, in this very procedural... Like, everyone's in a little cubicle doing work, and you've got this image of Big Brother looking at everybody through these monitors. And he rewrites history. He essentially eliminates history that they don't want. Yep. He so senses history, the,
0: the main character of the book and the movie is is Winston Smith and in the movie he is played by John Hurt and I think it's probably John Hurt's best role,
1: maybe oh, Alien's pretty good. The War Doctor is awesome. He, he's he's alright in Harry yeah. Potter. He's a he's damn pretty good good in everything yeah. He's great in we'll get to it later. Okay. Yep.
0: But he plays Winston and as you said, he he works for the Ministry of Truth. And that, I mean
1: oh, these concepts the of like yep. the Ministry of Truth and that. And what Big Brother is this controlling entity that tells people what to do and they are not to have free thought they are meant to work for the party and not think about anything else and there's thought crime and what he's done is there's areas outside the main area of town which are sort of less monitored and he sort of goes there and has sexual prostitute and ends up going to a porn broker equivalent and he buys a diary and him just writing down his thoughts is a crime a crime yeah so he does these sort of things he's becoming a, a, a counter yeah to the party sort of person he's, he's starting to question a few things exactly he's,
0: well, he works as we said in the Ministry of Truth and the way the world is broken broken down it's basically three main conglomerates Oceana so Oceana is Britain and Australia and like a few other little countries thrown in which is kind of like the Commonwealth yep We have East Asia, which is China, Vietnam, Southeast Asia, um, a bit of India and stuff like that. And then you have Eurasia, which is Russia, basically. And they're like the three main superpowers. And it's always one country is at war, while Oceania is at war with one country and the other one is their ally. But that changes. And part of the job that Winston has is he needs to go back and rewrite history. So if anyone was to go back and say, look something up, it would be like, no, we've always been at war with this country or or that sort of stuff. And when the party kind of kills off traitors and stuff like that, they then have to also go back in and rewrite history as if to say that, you know, this man's always been a traitor, he's never been part of our team or anything like that. And yeah, Winston starts to realise that maybe life was different before all this and he starts to want to kind of arc up a little bit from Hmm. the party and against the mythical big brother.
1: Yep. So he does that. He ends up meeting a girl. They end up going away and they have sex. Now, sex is also illegal. Eliminating the orgasm is one of the things they're trying to do. Yeah. So it's, it's and that's sex crimes, 1984 sex crimes, which Remember uh, that. I say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you say 1984, I say sex crimes, but it's from the book. It's, it's, they don't want people to, I don't know how procreation is meant to happen. In-
0: well, I think the whole idea of sex was that you only have sex for procreation. Okay. And your children are then the next generation of Soldiers and yeah, you know, that sort of stuff. And the children themselves are encouraged to spy on their parents and dob them in if they do anything that's against party lines.
1: Yeah, and in the end, he ends up renting a room above this pawn shop in the, what they call the Prol which is the proletariat which is the non-monitored area and he has an affair with this woman which is totally illegal you can't have a relationship with somebody and in the end they get done like the guy who ran the pawn shop was actually a spy and there was monitoring upstairs in the room they were in and they got after bonking and reading poetry that was a big deal they had a book of poetry yep. and that was enough for them to be arrested and taken to reprogramming essentially hmm. so they're just you know electroshock therapy and doing all these sort of things and I've seen things like in Star Trek since yep. how many lights are four lights it's it's that sort that must have come from this where richard burton in the movie is trying to tell him that how many fingers am i holding up and it's trying to get into his head that there are two ways of thinking at the same time
0: yeah, and one of the other things that they drew home a lot in the movie is that you don't always believe the truth, you believe what you're told. It's like, you know, two and two equals five is the big thing that they come up with a lot, and they just keep basically skewing the truth.
1: So it's, you, you accept it. Yeah. That's all they want. Yeah, it was pretty funky in that way, and then it, and then there's Room 101, which I've sure been used so many times for other things, like probably club names, and yeah. I've seen Room 101 used for different things in the past, and that's the final sort of torture, in a sense. And and he's broken John Hurt in, like when you say it's one of his best roles I agree like he's lost so much weight as the role goes on because he's being tortured he is so skinny and gaunt and all these sort of things he lost I forget how much weight for the role great special effects because they're pulling his teeth out at some point yeah and Room 101 is your greatest fear like it's the same for everyone what's there The your greatest fear and you get visions in the movie and in the book you get re, re, you know he, he talks about his past when he grew up his parent like, sorry his mother and sister went missing and all that was left were rats and there was a death body that him and his father found and it was covered in rats so rats has become his great fear so he's there in a contraption with a cage on his face with a rat at one end and it's a starving rat and yeah it's, it's like gonna a- eat through the- his face if they unlock there's a a, ga- a door between his face and the cat and the rat and this and he's basically threatening him and then they bring in the girlfriend or he has a vision of her or whatever yep. and he sort of pretty much gives up and says do it to her don't do it to me
0: and i think that's what they're aiming for the whole time is they're, they're trying to break him like he's been through all these other the torture and it hasn't Mm. like he hasn't given up his confidant sort of thing and then they finally take him into room 101 and that's the thing that breaks him and all this time he's like no i'm not gonna give up julia i'm gonna you know take it like a man but i'm not gonna give her up and then in the end he does he does
1: and then it's like thank you and the next scene is him he's back he looks fine he's healthy again as healthy as everyone looks in this movie yeah and he's at a cafe where he has been in the early in the film and she walks past they see each other there's nothing between them anymore it's just like hi yeah hmm. i gave you up yeah i gave you up too okay yeah fair enough yeah we should talk again soon yeah okay yeah. and it was just nothing and yeah and then the big brother doesn't know uh, you know there's screens everywhere around town in every building with big brother on it giving messages and sermons all the time and he's just like okay i'm a seven of big brother now i've given up and that's the plot so i mean it's very apt now with the whole fake news bullshit exactly it, and- And that's another reason
0: why I wanted to do this now is because there are so many parallels to what they kind of predicted that the future was going to be obviously he's got a lot wrong but there's a lot of stuff that George Orwell predicted
1: surveillance yeah fake news rewriting of news rewriting
0: exactly but just the symbolism of the movie the fact that they're all pretty much brainwashed by the party everyone is living in these slum like tenement apartment buildings in airstrip one which is what used to be great Britain they're all wearing boots and boiler suits and they're they're on rations they're, they're limited to what they can have they're given the shit coffee they're given shit quality gin and they're all basically alcoholics that are just working for the party and and, and that's another thing the, the fact that there's like a reduction in the ration of chocolate that they're allowed but they rewrite the, the previous history to say that well we used to have say 12 grams and now it's 13 grams so it's not actually a reduction it's, it's yeah, yeah. an increase yeah but yeah as I said it, it's there's so many parallels to from what George Orwell predicted back 70 something years ago when this was written mm. that actually have come through now you mentioned the fact that there is constant surveillance in
1: UK um, Britain it's the most CCTV i think is any country
0: yeah i think there's more what cameras city? than there are people in england that's a lot it's a hell of a lot
1: london or oh it england? might be it might be i like know one. london's yeah. very strong
0: yeah, and I, I read some weird fact while I was looking at the wiki that apparently there is 200 cameras around the area of where George Orwell's real house was when he lived in London back in the
1: day. I think I, there is a... I don't know if it's true, but there's a photo, you know, the historical plaques where George Orwell lived. Yeah. And above that is a CCTV a camera. camera.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, in, in the movie and in the book, basically the cameras and the TVs are broadcasting and recording at the same time. And that's kind of predicted video phones, which is now a thing. There's part of what Winston does in his job is... The telespeak, I think it's called, where he speaks into a machine that types for him, which obviously wouldn't have been around in 1949. But there's apps you can do that on your iPad now. Just the the use of the term Big Brother has become like a, a massive thing. It's like obviously that's where they got the name for the reality show from. Yeah, and you mentioned Room 101, but Room 101, I think, was the companion show to Big Brother in England. I think it was where well, they, maybe that's where where, I yeah, it, yeah, where they brought back the evicted tenants mm. and and chatted with them and stuff. So yeah, I, it, it's an apt book to go back to. I think
1: mm. I just don't read enough but it's something i would like to read because the ideas sound amazing like with the whole thought crimes and the, all this sort of stuff but yeah it's, it's it just seems like a very clever man just to think this way as a futurist and that but as a film it's quite an interesting film as well like it's very bleak and you remember seeing it yeah. when you were young yeah. i remember seeing it too what's your memory of it
0: from when i was young the, the thing i remember most is yeah. the sort of big assemblies with the the talking yep. and the just the rallies and that sort of stuff and the rat at the end. Okay. I don't remember the massive 80s bush that not has I <laughs> when, they, when they meet in the forest. Yeah. But watching it again recently, I was like, I don't remember that. So as I said, I, I don't know if we but
1: got- My first memory is
0: <laughs> bush. So yeah, I do know- a hot
1: dog. But she didn't have a hot dog. She was eating something else. But I remember eating a hot dog, Massive Bush. And Michael Dodd, our listener, I'm sure we talked about this.
0: All right then. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't remember seeing that when I saw it at school. And I,
1: I did some weird Googling. Don't, don't judge me. And it was movies using a Merkin. This came up in it. Really? Yeah, because mm. she didn't want her pubic hair to be seen on screen. So she had this big, massive Merkin going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I remember. And the teeth being pulled out and the rat.
0: Not the teeth being pulled out of a bush, but that's no, a different no, thing. No, yeah. The, the symbolism in the movie is really well done. There is areas of London that they, I think they used for Brazil. Mm. They, were they were filming, filming at the same and time. And they filmed it at the same
1: time. Now, this was my tangent. I was going, I know Brazil a lot better than I like, I know this film. Well, go ahead. And Brazil is pretty much the same thing. Have you seen Brazil?
0: I haven't seen Brazil, you but that's sure? the one that... Uh, Terry, Terry Gilliam. Terry yes. yes.
1: It's pretty much the same thing with a happier ending. Or a sad ending. We'll talk about Brazil soon, I think. We should. Because we can debate whether it's a happier or sad ending. We can fight about it.
0: The idea of this whole dystopian future... There, there's often been a lot of parallels made between this novel and. Uh, there was another novel that came out a couple of years earlier called A Brave
1: New World. Aldous Huxley? Yes. Ha <laughs> ha! I know stuff. You do I haven't which, read it.
0: Well, that's touting a really happy, lots of drugs, lots of sex, utopian future, future. as opposed to the dystopian future yes. that 1984
1: is. But was 19- considered the first science fiction novel? Is it? Yeah.
0: Wasn't there ones before that?
1: Well, H.G. Wells, and that was never, there was never termed science fiction. Mm. Hmm. But really, it's influenced a lot of things. Yes, and I know I've just
0: recently been watching The Handmaid's Tale.
1: Yep. Which is not science fiction. Margaret Atwood would yell at you if you taught it science fiction.
0: Yes, she'd yell at me for lots of things, mainly for being a man, probably. (laughs) But there's parallels after watching 1984 and then watching a couple of episodes of Handmaid's Tale. There was bits in that that just made me think, well, that's a lot like 1984. And she actually wrote that in 1985, I think it was, Uh... after the movie had come out. But anyway, yeah, it has influenced a hell of a lot of things. There's a, a track on one of the David Bowie albums, Diamond Dogs, that's based on 1984.
1: Wasn't he doing a concept album? I think I think he, I think might he wanted be. to do a well I went to the Bowie exhibition last year the year before whenever it was and it was concept concerts so he did an album and a concert with this with thematics and imagery and all that sort of thing and i think he wanted to do a 1984 one but he couldn't get the rights to it so he ended up doing his own thing and i think diamond dogs was his own version of 1984
0: apparently there was an episode of doctor who called the god complex which is based on the room 101 like spaces okay obviously uh, as i said we had just the, the concept of big brother the tv show and d- yeah it's like lots of things have spread from this so yeah Mm. and apparently actually speaking of people that released albums the 2009 muse album the resistance is actually inspired by 1984
1: as well <laughs> no, right. i'm glad i rewatched it like it was bleak like it wasn't a feel-good watch that's for no shy.
0: and it doesn't really have a happy ending it's just got a
1: an ending but it felt very 70s as far as movies go when i think of 80s films it didn't really have that's very english that's for sure it's
0: English as fuck
1: yeah but I was the other point is going to John Hurt another good performance V for Vendetta where he is essentially playing the big brother character oh yeah you've seen it I have I,
0: I didn't make that connection though But yeah,
1: John Hurt is like the leader of the party and the party is obviously all-encompassing, not quite as bleak as the 1984 universe, but the universe is definitely run by the party and it takes, you know, not anonymous, but V, Mm. a uh, vigilante. And the great line is that the government should be afraid of the people, not the people be afraid of the governments. Yeah, V for Vendetta is... You could say it's a take on 1984 as well. Yeah. In its own version. Alan Moore is a genius. We've talked about it plenty of times. But yeah, and V for Vendetta is a great version of that. Hmm. Maybe not the movie. Some people don't like it. I think it's fine. I think it's a really good take. It's interesting to read now. If you gave that to someone now, it, it's quite dated as far as how it's written and the artwork and those sort of things and it was, it was written in eight page installments and it was bought out as a you know serial yeah so to read it as a trade now it, it's sort of a bit disjointed you know, a little bit disjointed mm. but it's it's all there and it's still well written in that way it's fine very much a go at Thatcherism and what Thatcher was doing at the time where you take the movie it's sort of having a go at W. Bush yeah and that sort of thing so it, mm. it's playing with its parallels of the time but I think it's really good I actually quite enjoy it and recommend
0: okay well I didn't go back and read- read the novel but I did find quite a good serialised podcast version of the audiobook Yeah. and I can't even remember where I found it I think I just went into my search engine on my podcast and I found it so if you are interested there's one out there called Forble is the podcast group that did a 14-part version in okay. audiobook form. Yep. It's quite well well performed. It's not one of those ones where they have different characters do different voices, but the, the voice they've got does sound a lot like John Hurt's sort of voice in the movie, which I thought okay. was pretty good too. Cool. But yeah, I recommend that as well. But getting back to the movie, and I think the main reason we, we did really want to do this is just so we can play <laughs> that Eurythmic song, because anytime we mention 1984, one of us will do the sex, sex crimes. Crime. <laughs> but that song isn't actually in the movie,
1: because But they, it's connected to the film.
0: Well, I <laughs> Think- I never knew. Well, they did a whole whole album of soundtrack for the movie.
1: Eurythmics. The Eurythmics. Because it was a Virgin production. Yep. And they were the producer of the film and the director got quite snooty because he had pretty much a orchestral score done and they came in at the last minute saying oh we got well, they say Eurythmics so I assume it's all Dave.
0: Yeah I think so. It's more musical than any Lennox singing I think. Yeah but,
1: but yeah they, they got them to do an electronic score basically and they got final cut of the film so there's versions out there with the orchestral score there's versions out there with the hybrid of the two and yeah. All this sort of stuff. Yeah, so there's the official soundtrack with both. It's got both the orchestral and that. But the Eurythmics brought out an album, which is the soundtrack to or soundtrack and music from, yeah. which has the song Sex Crime 994, which is never in the movie.
0: And they did use it for the theatrical trailer oh, okay. as well. So that kind of ties in that way. Yeah. And in the video clip, they have clips from
1: That's the it. movie. <laughs> I never knew it was yeah. that connected. I just thought it was just a song they did. I, did, I had About no the idea. Yeah.
0: But anyway, it gives us an excuse to play that and actually warrant the fact that we are playing it rather yeah. than just Saying talking about the, the year part. 1984. That is our attempt at a bit of culture. As you can probably see, we are a little bit rambly in this episode because obviously we don't know culture as well as we I'm know pop culture.
1: I'm fuck. I'm like, yeah, I'll get... <laughs> you are.
0: But no, we we know our pop culture, but we don't know our, our literature all that well. So we've probably made lots of mistakes. So any of the literate people that listen to us, they can, is that the correct term? I don't sure. know. But yeah, literate. any any of our literati Literally.
1: oh
0: yeah yeah if, if we have made anything completely wrong jump online on the Facebook tell us we're idiots tell us to go read a book and we probably won't but you can find us on our website we are the MA ma-podcast.podbean.com. we're on Facebook as facebook.com slash the massive attack podcast and until next time when we are back with the letter O O oh. and we might be having a little bit of a theme as oh. we go into O continuing with dystopian futures Ah, but we will Orthello isn't that a game with like black and white yeah, tiles yeah, reversi so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're not reverse going to be talking eye. about that. A reverse eye, is it? All right. Well, thank you, Mitch. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode.
1: See you then. Sex,
0: sex, 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 sex,